This week on the Sports Initiative podcast, I sit down with Italian football coach Fabrizio Picaretta. He discusses his journey into coaching and working for such clubs as Inter Milan, Sampdoria and Roma, his time as the assistant manager to Paolo Di Canio, both at Swindon and Sunderland, and some of the challenges he faced during these roles, as well as him experience a variety of cultures around the world and how this informed his working practices. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you share it in friends and family. I hope you enjoy. So Fabrizio, I know we caught up a little bit there, but how are things in Italy? Are you all good and well? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. You know, yeah, very well. Uh, summer is coming, so perfect timing. Perfect. So for people that maybe don't know you, haven't come across you before, or just, uh, you know, uh, don't know your story, do you want to just give us a little bit of an oversight of who you are and um, what you do? Yeah, of course. Of course, my name is Fabrizio Piccaretta. I'm 58 years old. I was born in Genoa, Italy. Uh, grown up uh, with uh, with football, as probably all the uh, children in Italy at the time, with uh, nothing else than uh, than a ball to play on the streets, and uh, that was my. My, uh, my background in terms of uh, passion for uh, for the game. Uh, I started my playing career in uh, in my hometown with Sampdoria, and uh, I was uh, uh, there since I was seven. And then I left Sampdoria when I was eighteen. So basically, my entire uh, young first first part of my life has been spent with uh, with uh, that club. I was lucky enough to to become um, the skipper, the captain of the under nineteen uh, team, who was uh, the the coach. The coach at the time was Marcello Lippi, and I think he he doesn't need to to explain more rather than name mention his name. You know, uh, I can say that I was the first captain of his coaching career. So some, somehow I think I. I brought some luck to him for his uh, for his success, um, but you know, joking aside, uh, I was uh, considered a, a, a talented footballer at the time. It, that, of course, uh, there were times where there were no agents, there were nobody who could uh, look after your career, give uh, some uh, advices, and then uh, I made probably some wrong choices in my playing career and I ended up playing in the lower leagues in Italy which wasn't the, the best you know probably I was expecting something more from my from my playing career so my dream was to become a footballer uh, and I didn't make it uh, but I'm not gonna blame anyone else rather than me because I think and this is something I keep telling my young players uh, nobody will help you to to cross the bridge so the people coaches especially will build the bridge for you but you are the one who have to cross this bridge and get to the other side and if you don't do it probably nobody will uh, will will take you there uh, so 
when I, I of course, my my passion for for the game has been uh, has been great for uh, for my whole life. But as I said, I never become uh, a, a professional player, and uh, I I spent my my life, my adult life, doing uh, other jobs. Uh, the main one was a bookseller. I I had my bookshop for thirteen years almost. And uh, that was my other great passion. So football and and books are my two big passions. And uh, of course, meanwhile, I kept doing my uh, playing career in in the lower leagues. And then at some point when I was 34, I left. uh, So I I ended uh, my, I quit playing and uh, I start to consider the chance to to keep doing something in football. And the only thing I was thinking about was coaching. Uh, so when I was uh, 34, yes, it was 2004. Uh, no, I don't remember exactly. No, yes, it was 2004. So I was more than, 20, than 34. Uh, no, sorry, I was 38. Sorry, my math is not my my business anyway uh, i was 38 and i start to uh, to think about coaching mm, i started with my uh, oh, f- last club where i where i was playing and uh, they offered me to coach uh, an under 16 team which was full of talent and uh, to be honest with you this is something i always try to to make people understand that Although my, um, that was the chance that ga- gave me the start in my coaching career, I don't think it's a good choice from a club's point of view to give a group of play- talented players to someone who never had coaching experience. But this is probably something that people will never learn. Uh, people, I mean, I mean decision-making people that probably they want to give... Uh, the chance to to people to to play all the players former players just because of their playing experience which is a part of the experience but is not everything and in my my case i think i was lucky enough and probably my players were lucky enough that i i was uh, aware that just uh, having been a good player didn't mean that i was a good coach so i started to study a lot i started to Probably helped by the fact that I was a bookseller at the time. I started to read books. I started to read books not about, you know, systems or stuff. I started to read about, you know, uh, development of players, psychology, uh, physiology. I started to understand which was good or not good for development players. Because, as you know, because you, you, you do this job, you know that um, development is something and playing and uh, coaching older players is different but I'm not you know saying something new uh, but at the time you know I was uh, very aware of uh, of this uh, lacking of experience and knowledge and uh, uh, so I always been uh, I've always been uh, interested in uh, the dynamics of learning uh, and I'm still uh, I, I'm still uh, interested in, and uh, I think that there is always something new to learn about on this uh, topic. But that said, uh, after a few years uh, with uh, with um, this 
in the youth academies in the lower leagues in Italy. Uh, I started to work for Inter Milan. I had the chance to to join Inter Milan in uh, in a project called uh, Inter Campus Abroad. So basically, is um, is a project that Inter Milan uh, leads since since uh, I think now twenty years probably. Um, they have a connection with uh, different clubs in the world, several clubs, but probably not in the most uh, important countries football wise. I mean, so I remember I went three times in China, in Cambodia. Uh, Colombia, Cuba, uh, and all the Eastern Europe, just to bring the let's say the inter academy methodology to the to the coaches of these uh, academies, and that was a great experience that lasted five years, uh, which gave me the chance to first of all to improve my English, which was pretty basic at the time. Not that now is good, eh, but at least uh, I think. Uh, that you can uh, you can understand what I'm saying. Your English is better than my Italian, so no, don't, no, don't no. downplay <laughs> it. Um, but I just on that, um, what what were the differences from the academy you'd been at before in terms of methodology or ways of working and stuff to Inter Milan? Was there a big difference between the two, or were they relatively aligned in terms of what they were trying to do with the players? There, there was a big difference. There was a big difference. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the first big difference is the methodology. I mean, in in all these local teams, it's like you know everyone do something random, in my opinion. And I was included me. I mean, so because when you don't have uh, any uh, knowledge, any experience. Uh, uh, you try to to do something that probably is a sort of mix between uh, what you think is good and what the previous coaches you had they they ask you to do. You take something, you know, uh, bits of something that you remember from your past of, as a player, but probably it's like you put together something that mm, has no really consistency. There is no real. Uh, line, a straight line on you know, in what you want to do, and then uh, when I I remember when I started to 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 go to Milan first because before to start this project I was there for six six months, twice a week in a sort of coaching course, internal coaching course of the of the club. And then there you understand exactly what does it mean, uh, what it means. To have a guideline, to have a direction, to to know what to do and how to approach with the different uh, age levels, and uh, so I, I remember there were top top professionals in the in the in the youth academy, and then I learned a lot from them, and that was uh, uh, together with my studies. Uh, they helped me to to have um, clear in my mind what I wanted to do. Mm. And uh, I remember in one of my uh, journeys to China, I remember one day where I started to understand exactly what direction I wanted to take. And I can tell you what happened 
because it's interesting. Yeah, do it. Um, I remember, you know, uh, that before before that, when I when I prepared my coaching my my sessions, I as I said, I never had a, a clear idea what I wanted to do. You know, it was like a mix of uh, different different parts of something that wasn't they they weren't very uh, connected uh, each other. Um, when uh, <clears throat> I remember, it was the second time I went to China, and uh, um, we usually we usually work in a big town called Qingdao, where uh, there was a big academy. You know, with uh, everything was very clear, where put everything was um, well organized, uh, the structures, everything. But there was um, the idea uh, to to start with a new project. It was more a social, like a more social project than uh, than uh, than a football project, like uh, an experiment, a test, a test. Uh, there were mm, there was a, a small village in the in the countryside of China. Um, it was about two hundred miles from the big city, and uh, the idea was to go there and try to understand uh, how to introduce to football children that never had any uh, knowledge about football not I, I i mean literally so they these young kids never uh, they have never seen a, a, a football match they have never have a ball they I, I remember this small village was uh, even you know there were no electricity in the houses it was a typical countryside in the middle of nowhere um all farmers uh, you know and there were i remember probably 30 kids 30 um, male and female uh, between 12 and uh, 14 years old and they never had any um experience of what does what it means to play football uh so i remember during then then the following six months these two coaches chinese coaches went twice twice uh, a week they traveled twice a week to this village uh and they started this project so how to how to introduce to football how to learn football to teach football to children that they never had uh, even as watch watch a game uh, after uh, six months i came back to china and then of course i was taken there to see how the this project was was uh, was doing was going and that was the my you know my eye opener because i i remember i sat on this uh, small bench uh, there was like uh, a, a row uh, like dirt you know um, big space and these two coaches started to uh, show me what they they have done until that moment, and uh, they started with uh, these kids, these children, uh, one ball each, and these these children started to dribble the ball around, you know, uh, like dribbling, you know, controlling the ball, um, and then after uh, ten minutes of this stuff, uh, the they they. They stood in uh, in in couples and they started to pass the ball each other, um, you know, probably ten meters away one from the other, and uh, you know then they started to control the ball in different ways. So 
um, after 30 minutes, I was, you know, I, I had enough of, of this because I could see that these kids, they were, uh, you know, they, they were doing things quite well, you know, mm, but then at some point I, I, I called my, the translator and I said, uh, please go to the coaches and said and tell them mm, if they can play a game now. I want to, to to see this player playing. You know, I remember she went there. I they they exchanged a couple of, uh, of words and then she came back and she told me they can't play the game. They can't play a, a scrimmage. You know, I said why they can because they don't know what is the game. So. Then, you know, that was uh, uh, an eye-opener. So I asked the coaches what they did at, until that point. And the answer was that they thought that they should uh, introduce these kids to the basic elements of football, starting from, for example, the dribbling, uh, passing the ball each other. And then they were convinced that at the end of this process, they could put together uh, these um, technical uh, elements, and then at the end, they could play a game. So basically, these kids they they started they had um, for them the the only knowledge of football was just passing the ball each other, driving the ball, but they never had the. Uh, the, the the sense of the game, so they didn't know what the game is. Almost so, the complete opposite to like the favelas, isn't it, in Brazil? Whereas in Brazil, they'll play games and they'll just figure out a way to do to dribble, to shoot, to pass, to cross. Exactly. Whereas so, here, it's so structured that they don't actually know how they're meant to implement it. Yeah, that that was the 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 problem. So they started from the from the the elements. And then I when when I asked them to the day after these kids came back to the this field or whatever it was, and then I tried to um I I, I split them in two teams and I had to explain what was football. So the game the game is you with the, your shirt have to to score in there, you know. They never, they they couldn't move because they never, you know, they didn't have the sense of what they have to do, and that gave me the the real the first real uh, um, direction. So we have to start from the from the the whole. So we have to start from the 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 big picture, which is the game, and then to maybe, of course, we have to. Uh, break down something, but um, as long as the uh, until the, until the, key, the the players, the young players don't know, don't get the sense, the real sense of the game, there is no point to to teach them how to control the ball or how to pass the ball because then uh, I think within the the game, everyone can learn his own style, his own way to interpret the game. You know, uh, that was the mm, I remember was uh, was one of the the most important moment of my of my career. And in terms of culture, how much um, experience 
how, how much cha- how challenging has it been for you of embedding yourself into different cultures and the way that they play football? Because you you think of in Europe of you know the Dutch flair because of Cruyff or English just going around and running around like headless chickens, the Italians defending China from what it sounds like didn't necessarily have a culture of football because they'd never seen it. They didn't know what the game was. So how how uh, along your experiences has different cultures cha- challenged the way that you see the game? Okay. Um, I think that, of course, um, having to, uh, to cope with, uh, with different environments gave me i remember that this gave me the ability to adapt uh to adapt to 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 the environment that i had to uh to work in uh not only about the culture but about the the structures i remember you know i could go in uh, in poland where there were just you know proper proper football field with uh with everything in place, everything was well, well organized. And then uh, I went to Cameroon in uh, in Africa, where the there there were hundred kids uh, screaming and just they just want to play. And then we were I, we were in two, and we have to cope with hundred kids, and I couldn't leave someone out. So you learn uh, how to cope with different situations, and maybe in a split of a second, you have to change something. And I remember that that was the the, the biggest uh, step forward that this experience gave me. Um, different culture, uh, of course. I would say that everywhere I went, football was always the same from from uh, the children' point of view, from the kids' point of view. Um, I went to Iran, and then uh, I went to uh, Slovenia. I went to Colombia. From a child point of point of view, football is always the same, and this is something that we sometimes we forget. Is what is the way we approach as a coach is that uh, change, and in my opinion, because um, we forget sometimes that the game is the is the real uh, uh, is the real teacher. So I think that wherever I I went. If told, of course, I'm talking about young players, about uh, youth development. If you start from the game, from playing the game, is always the right, the right way. Um, I never seen a kid that didn't enjoy playing football, um, and this is at the base of my um, coaching style, uh, especially with the young players. Even after when I start to to work for uh, top clubs like as Roma, for example, uh, where I was, I was, uh, I worked for three years. But even with the uh, um, bit older players, if you uh, keep your sessions very uh, close to the game, so everything has to be game related. I think that um, is not only more enjoying for the players, but they learn. They actually learn more because if you want to keep everything under control, in my opinion, you will lose something. And the, 
and the players will lose something. So if you let them have the uh, freedom to uh, to express themselves, uh, you will always uh, have surprise, good positive surprises. This is my this is my experience. So of course, when I worked for uh, first teams, because of course, as a uh, as you probably know, after so my my career has been uh, divided in not only with the, with the young players but also for steam uh, especially in england and, and i had three four different uh, experiences in terms of countries italy um, england portugal and finland at first team level and of course at first team level i can say that there's differences you know there are there are very there are many differences because uh, for example uh, when I was in Portugal um, the players were uh, their pro their, their approach was different from uh, from to the session to the coaching sessions I mean uh, to the training sessions there in Portugal the players were very different from the English ones so I remember in Portugal they uh, they like uh, the tactical uh, work, you know, uh, to have like um, sessions where you can stop them and teach them something. They can discuss. They can. They ask a lot. Uh, they want to know a lot about, you know, a, a tactical idea or something. Where, for example, in England. I remember we started we switch on the the timer boom and they start you know uh for they go 200 uh, miles an hour for a for the whole session and then sometimes when you want to stop them and show something you can see that there's no there is no this uh, uh the same desire the same they just want to go and push push and press um but that was in 2011 and 12 so probably i think that now something has changed also in england because you know with the new coaches with the new uh, methodologies new way of uh, uh, training um, i think that probably now is a bit different from uh, from the my time how hard is that for a coach to adapt to both of those because you've got one that your interventions when you're stepping in to keep them engaged needs to be quick and fast compared to Portugal where you might be able to uh, explain for longer periods of time while keeping their attention. So mm. how, how hard is that for you as a coach to change how you're coaching principles for the team over, yeah, over those environments? Yeah, um, I think it's just about a matter of first of all about the matter of um, way of communication communicating. Uh, whereas, for example, in Portugal, uh, as I said, you can uh, you can uh, involve the players more about the idea, about the, the movement, about whatever you think, you know, and you are helped also by the. It looks. Strange, but of course you are helped by the the weather, because I remember I was in Portugal in Algarve, and then uh, you know when you have the, the privilege of uh, training under the sun, 
then you can stop and you can you can talk and maybe they can uh, breathe a bit in England you know when uh, it's raining and uh, maybe this, it's cold you cannot do the same I remember in England uh, especially at Swindon we used to use a lot of video because then of course you can uh, benefit from a, from a, 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 a better let's say so uh, a better environment in terms of so you don't have to stay on the field and then maybe the players get colder because you want and then uh, using the videos we we could uh, overcome this problem um Finland for example uh, when there was uh, really cold uh, we used to work to work uh, of course in uh, indoor places so that was good but then uh, the mentality is a bit different if you think portugal they are all like they grown up with uh, this uh, generation of coaches like jose mourinho probably was probably the the, the, the first uh, and then all these young coaches in Portugal are like uh, uh, they are small Mourinho's, and then also the players grown up with this idea that uh, tactical and uh, reflecting and thinking and talking is a part of their uh, development and their knowledge as a players is very common in uh, in Portugal. I remember, like in Italy, uh, that. The players, uh, I don't want to say they know exactly what the coach knows, but they are very uh, informed. They want to know what the coach asked them to do. Uh, I didn't find this in England, uh, to be honest. Uh, it's a, I think it's a part of the, the, the culture and uh, the way of um, every single uh, country uh, develop his own uh, idea um do you think that helps them solve problems on the pitch better in terms I, of in game where you've got challenges the opponents are giving you they're able to come up with solutions or problems uh, yes. a solution to the problems better yes exactly i think so i mean i'm not i don't want to say that so i'm not uh, patronizing my country but uh it's not mm, surprised that many uh coaches at top level are italians no i'm thinking about ancelotti i think about the zerbi now uh conte even though i'm a tottenham fan conte conte even if i'm not a fan of conte in terms of uh his playing style but still you know uh, because as a players when they were players probably they they were uh, very, you know, uh, interested in what uh, the coach and the different coaches asked them to do. They, they, it wasn't enough for them to execute what the coach uh, asked them to do. They, they always have the the desire to to go deeper, you know. And this, and this is, I did the same when I was a, a player, even at the lower leagues. Uh, but I remember in the in my last few years as a player, I I wasn't happy with uh, with some coaches, and then I, I realized then when I was a coach why I wasn't happy because I didn't see 
any real connections between the training sessions and the game. Uh, so I think that from a player point of view, if they know, if they are interested in uh, and they think uh, about the the different dynamics of a game, as you as you said, they can uh, probably solve uh, pro they find solutions for themselves rather than uh, do you know, you know blindlessly what what the coach asks them to do. Um, I think now everything is changing. You know, also I think more and more the players are uh, trying to to be more um, in in the game. I mean, so to have more insight of of the uh, the tactical part of the game, uh, and which, in my opinion, is is making football better uh, compared to what uh, it was. In my opinion 30 years ago so i yeah. think i like i like football much more now than than it was what it was uh 20 years ago 30 years ago no it makes sense I, having been through the system i agree i think it before it was a lot of we'll do exactly what the coach says whereas now players will ask why why am i doing this how does this benefit me how does this benefit the team What's the strategy? They want to understand the rationale for the instruction they're being given, which, as you've mentioned, probably gives them a, a better bank of knowledge that they're able to use and 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 decipher when um, when in game situations. Obviously, you mentioned around that transition from Inter Milan going into Swindon. How did that come about? How did that transition from you know, academy work, if you like, into a first-team environment. Yeah, how did that come around? It happened in, two, uh, in 2008. Uh, I went to Coverciano in Italy, in uh, which is the main uh, headquarters of the, the, the Italian Coaches um, Association. Uh, and I did my coaching course. Uh, and in this course, there was also Paolo Di Canio, Together with our other former Italian, uh, very very important former players, I remember there were Paolo Di Canio, Angelo Di Livio, Di Biagio, uh, Ganz, Pagliuca, uh, Di Francesco, many uh, former players, uh, and then um, I, of course, I I, I get in touch with uh, with Paolo uh, and. Uh, at the end of this course, I remember he told me that uh, if will he would have ever had the chance to start coaching, probably uh, he would have asked me to join him. And after three years, after three years, in 2011, Paolo had the chance to to come to UK uh, as a head coach of uh, Swindon Town Football Club in League Two. And uh, as promised, he offered me the job as assistant, which was for me was uh, it was a big step forward because you know, uh, of course, I was working at the time for uh, for Inter Milan, but in this project it wasn't a proper coaching um, job. I mean, I I I didn't have my my team. It was just about going abroad and do what I I mentioned before. When I had this chance, I I didn't think twice, 
and uh, it was my chance to to live also my dream because for every single uh, player or coach uh, in Italy or think I, I I'm sure everywhere else to think uh, to go to work in England is is a dream I think and then uh, uh, we moved to England. And we moved to this beautiful uh, club, which gave me gave us a lot of uh, love and satisfaction. And we, I think, we did it in return because straight away we won the league two at the first attempt. We reached the the JPT final at Wembley. Uh, so think about I was uh, uh, one year before I was in Italy. You know. Uh, and then all of a sudden, after one year, I, I, I found myself on the bench of uh, one of the most iconic stadiums in the world, in Wembley, which was for me uh, more than the, than was what I dreamt until that, that moment, you know. Um, it was a big step forward, but I was prepared because I remember that I always done my job professionally. I always tried to keep myself... Uh, uh, up to date with uh, with all the the, the the methodology and also I start to work a lot in Italy with the, with video. I was a sort also video analyst for the because at the time there wasn't there wasn't a video analyst a match analyst. So I remember with the, uh, with Paolo at Swindon I was also assistant manager, but I also. Uh, studying the opposition, doing clips, so something that, and in the modern times, is something that is made by the by the match analysts. But at the time, I would it was me. Uh, we won the first uh, season straight away. We 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 got promoted to League One, and uh, we were doing great uh, again, um, but. I remember it was probably a couple of months ago, a couple of months um, to go. Um, we were top of the league, and then uh, there's been a, a takeover of the club. So new owners came in, and uh, there was uh, straight away there was like a, a conflict between the new owners and and Paolo, and Paolo decided to resign, and of course. Uh, myself and the rest of the staff, we we followed him, and and then a couple of uh, months later, we 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 moved to Sunderland in Premier League, which was uh, again one of the the most important moment of my my career. Um, everything happened so fast that probably I would say not just me, but. Paolo as well, we weren't ready for that level yet. Why do you say that? Yeah, because, um, you know, we League 2 and League 1 are, in my opinion, are um, were important steps for our career. But Paolo was at his, his, was his first uh, managerial uh, job. Uh, we were doing well, but probably... Um, we moved too early there, you know, because I remember probably the the main mistake was to treat the players in Premier League like we did in League Two or League One. 
which wasn't probably the best choice uh, because you think something that have worked can work again but doesn't work like this so uh, you should be able to adapt your style and your uh, um, main management to the different to the new environment which was very different uh, like it or not Sunderland was the the same as Swindon you know um, and probably I think I'm sure that even Paolo if he could uh, come back at, the, at those time he would do something different um, that said probably not probably I'm sure that we weren't probably uh, ready but the the team wasn't good enough for that for the level because uh, Sunderland at the time wasn't in my opinion a, a team that could compete uh, against top top clubs like uh, Premier League uh, have you know sometimes you know you you have the right the the right chance at the wrong moment I'm sure that probably if it this um, happened maybe a couple of years after probably we should we could do much better than uh, what it did what we did so obviously you stayed up that initial season correct yeah and then did you carry on into the following uh the following season to start the following season so so i guess during that period how hard did you guys find it in terms of trying to attract players that you thought were capable of competing at that level? Because I'd imagine you'd have half a squad of people like Wes Brown, John O'Shea, people like that, that, you know, former Man United players that probably are capable of playing at level, but probably with some other players that were going to struggle or make it more challenging. How hard did you guys find it in trying to identify those players and then bring them to the club? Yeah, uh, I would start. I I would like to start from the the first season. So when we took over uh, in April, when uh, Martin O'Neill was uh, was released, and uh, we uh, we took over, uh, that was easier because when uh, you uh, go into a team, so when uh, you keep you take the reins of a team that is in free fall. The players have not no excuses. They could just do one thing. So trust, trust us, trust Paolo, uh, and uh, uh, we basically we were their last last choice, mm, the last uh, uh, resource to to try and and not fall down, you know, and don't go in the championship. So everything we asked them to do, they I remember they were. Uh, like eager to do it and that worked because I remember especially in the first game uh, we we went to London to play Chelsea away and even if we lost uh, I remember that the, the, the team were doing did well and probably this gave a, a bit of enthusiasm uh, to the players and then uh, the second game after uh, after that was this uh, Epic win uh, in the in the derby at New, in Newcastle again. Uh, Same Jesus, uh, three 0 against Newcastle there, 
that was the uh, turning point because then all the enthusiasm, uh, all the environment where uh, we 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 were all leading and working for the same target, and we we got uh, the target, and we 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 were safe at the end of the season. Uh, of course, in the summer, I remember that Paolo wanted to change a lot in the in the in the roster in the players. For example, you mentioned West Brown. West Brown was, of course, was a, a a big name, but we never had the chance to to play him because he was always injured. There were players like Lee Cattermore injured, uh, Stephen Fletcher injured. Um, of course, John O'Shea was a was a top player, top professional, but still it was a bit, you know. Um, in his uh, last years of his career, uh, there were there was a bunch of young players that, in my opinion, uh, didn't have the potential. Like I remember McLean, the Irish guy, or uh, even uh, uh, Connor Wickham, players that never, you know, succeed at the top level. Um, so when Paolo try to bring in new players. I remember that uh, basic, based on his previous experience, our previous experience in uh, in Swindon, Paolo asked the, asked the club to bring in English players, British players, because he was uh, aware that British players could uh, do better in a club like Sunderland, if you know what I mean. So we couldn't play uh the football you know fantastic football we should work for uh, and fight for our lives so um but the problem was that the director at the time was an italian uh, and this italian uh, wanted to bring in players from uh, from abroad i remember he brought in a, a swiss player uh greek players um, players that couldn't, so we 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 found out straight away they they weren't for uh, for that level, and for this reason there was it was like you know uh, Paulo was unhappy, and the players understood this. I had the feeling that there was no um, Paulo wasn't wasn't uh, really. Uh, happy with 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 them, and then uh, the, the the players sensed this, and then uh, didn't work. The second season didn't work, and the more the games uh, went by, we I remember that at some point we we lost the dressing room. Uh, simple as that, and uh, the club decided to to change. And so, can, you, can you feel that as coaches? Because we talk about it a lot, don't you? You hear the managers lost the dressing room, or you know that they're turned against the coach. Can you feel that as coaches that people are beginning to switch off from the messages you're trying to deliver? Yes, uh, I think every coach feel can sense this. So at all levels, uh, you you have the feeling that. The players don't. I don't want to say they play against you because I don't think there are players that play against the, the their shirt or the you know the club to to damage the the coach. 
but you can sense that there is no connection, uh, there is no empathy, there is no the desire to to work together for the same uh, uh, target, which, for example, was the, the previous season. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's the coach's fault. Sometimes it's not the player's fault. It's, it's in between. So it's something that, uh, you know, you can share the, the blame. Even if, uh, honestly, I, I think honestly that uh, the coach has to take the, the, the blame because the players follow. So I want to give an example. Uh, as I said, as I told you, I've been uh, at Brighton uh, Football Club one month ago. And uh, I spoke to a couple of players, Lalana and uh, Dunk, because I, I used to know them from my time in England. And they told me after one day that Roberto De Zerbi came in, after one day they realized that it was uh, like someone who they, they want to follow, you know, because I think that the, the coach has the chance and the ability to drive the players on in, 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 in the direction that the, the coach wants. So if this direction is right or the way you want to drive them is good, the players follow. Uh, there is no player that... Uh, go against the coach if the coach used the, the right way, the right... Um, so if the coach show uh, that they he, he trusts them, um, it's a mutual uh, feeling. And when you don't have this feeling, uh, there is something that is wrong. And for, unfortunately for us, uh, I remember the second season at Sunderland was exactly... The feeling was 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 wasn't good you know and, and then from, at the end from reflecting is do you think there's any way that a coach can turn that around in terms of players and staff or whatnot are beginning to have that feeling of disconnect do you think there's anything coaches can do to turn that ship and actually get people back on board or do you think it is purely just down to results if you start winning again then people start getting no. on board again i don't think it's about winning I think it's about probably from the coaching point of view to make a step back and uh, talk honestly to the players and uh, let's say admit that something went wrong. Uh, I can tell you this. When I was in Finland and I was head coach of Inter Turku in the top division in Finland, uh, there was a moment, I remember, where probably because of the, the results or something, I, I didn't feel that there was something, uh, you know, that everything was right. And I started to be a bit harsh with my players. And uh, there was a period of time where I, I could sense, not that I didn't, that I lost the dressing room, I never lost the dressing room, but uh, I wasn't feeling, you know, I didn't feel this... Um, sense of mm, connection, real connection with the players for many reasons, you know, probably because of the language for maybe uh, I, I I remember I had a problem with a couple of players because they, my style sometimes were 
uh, was a bit different from the Finnish player expecting. And uh, we reached the cup final, the Finnish cup final. And even at the moment, at the time, I I I wasn't sure about you know uh, the, the as I said I didn't feel the, this uh, this uh, positive vibes if you like and I remember before the game my pre-match talk in the hotel before the final was uh, about asking my players apologizing to my players about my behavior. And admitting that I have been too tough with them, uh, making them understand that I am a human being and I can make mistakes, and this didn't mean that uh, I I was against them or I didn't like them. It was me probably be, for many reasons we 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 didn't find the the key to to connect each other. So basically, my pre-match talk was uh, an admission of uh, human weakness and I remember and I've have goosebumps still goosebumps after I remember it lasted 10 minutes at the end they just applauded me like you know they wanted to show me that they understood that I was naked you know in front of them with my weaknesses if you know what I mean we won the game and we celebrate the the, the cup. We won the fi- cup final. I don't want to say that it was because of my pre-match talk, but for sure, I'm sure it helped because in that moment I created a sense of uh, connection with them, you know. And every single doubt, every single uh, conflict, every single problem we had, I remember that after that pre-match talk was uh, uh, was uh, over, and. For this reason, I think that when you feel this uh, sense, sense, when you sense this problem with the with the dressing room, sometimes to there is this uh, uh, idea that probably you want to be even on top, always even more. You want to raise the level of your uh, toughness sometimes, you know, because you want to show that you are the leader. But sometimes it doesn't work because it, this leads only to further uh, negative feelings but this part this is part of the experience i think and everyone everyone is different so i remember that i probably the experience the english experience with sunderland helped me to to behave in a different way when i when it was my turn you know if you know what i mean so yeah, no, hundred percent. And then, um, second to last question. Obviously, you've had two stops in terms of under under seventeens roles or under sixteens roles with Roma and Sampdoria. When you're at that top end and you're looking at obviously players that hopefully over the next three or four years are going to progress into that in- environment, how do you prepare them for what you've just spoken about there, which is at times there is a coach that's going to be tough with them on performance and needing results. But then at other times, obviously, they're going to need to maybe be a bit softer. How do you prepare the younger players knowing that, you know, ultimately the the first team coach is a human being, they're a person, they might make mistakes, but they're looking for what's best for 
a team and they obviously want to win games and if you help them do that you know they'll 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 back you if you like how, how do you prepare them for that jump uh okay going from a, a first team environment to to as roma because i, I remember i left finland uh, after two years and a half as a head coach there with the, with the first team and I moved to S Roma for uh, to to coach the under 17. Um, I think first and foremost that the experience with the with the first team with the older players gave me um, a different perception and perspective also to my coaching style with the with the young players um i didn't want because when i was uh, uh, at first team level i learned a lot about how to treat people how to interact with the, with older players and to understand that every single player is different they have their own background they have their own culture you have to you have to give the same rules but treat them differently so if you know what I mean so uh, you can have the same rules but then you have different uh, human beings in front of you and you have to uh, try and connect with them uh, according to, to their own uh, um, character differences uh, sometimes I think when uh, you coach young players you don't make the same assumption you think they are young players that's it because they don't have an experience but they're still human beings so i remember that the first thing i i tried to do with uh, with my 16 years old players at s roma i i remember i, I decided to treat them like older players but not in terms of uh, expectations with the results or stuff but i remember that i tried to uh talk uh with every one of them in in the way that i i think it was good for every one of them for each of them um i didn't treat them uh, all the same you know in the same way uh i i learned that even with the young players you have to remember that if there's a there's a human being in front of you and then uh, uh, i think this gave me the 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 opportunity to uh, to create a bond very a, a strong bond with all of them and when you create this kind of bond you can uh, then you, they can accept everything i mean uh, the honesty and uh, they knew they knew that I was ready to praise them, but also to to not to blame them, but to to tell them when they were weren't doing well, uh, and they accept this. And also, if you treat them as a, uh, as adults, then it's easy then to make them understand that this is the treatment that they will uh, receive when they will be adults. So there is no difference. So and then the responsibility is always uh, to share to to you share this responsibility with them. So it's not only about the coach, all about the coach. It's also all about them, you know. 
and this what I told you before. I always try to un make them understand that as a coach, I cannot take them to success. So I can create the, the conditions, but then it's up to them to to go there and to to take the the chance and to and to and to and to go where they want to go, especially at S Roma because uh, now, for example, many players many players that I had uh, now they're playing in Syria. So lots of them uh, at S Roma. Uh, they somehow they are um, ready for that because they know and they feel the 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 weight of the of the shirt they they wear you know because to work to play for us Roma for example in Rome in a city like Rome with the f five millions people these players feel their responsibility so in a way it's a bit easier you know because they know that. If they fail, there are other hundred players that are ready to take their place. So they they are very focused on what they they want to do. In other clubs like Sampdoria, for example, it's not the same because they don't feel the same uh, uh, the same responsibility, this the same uh, pressure, if you if you like. Um, so they think that everything is uh, is gonna be easy, but um, once again, uh, I think that when you treat people um, and you, they know, they understand that you care about them, even um, either if they are old or young, they they will give you something. They you can create something. Uh, what I like to do, this is something I, I kept doing for my, um, for in all my years at S Roma, and then I, I kept doing this uh, at SPAL. I just because before being a coach, I was a, a bookseller uh, and I like to read, I, um, I used to give uh, uh, a book to, a play, to my players when uh, for their birthday. And uh, when uh, it was a, one player's birthday, I, I, I gave them the bo a book. And I remember that I always tried to give a book that was uh, ready for, uh, sorry, was right for this player, this player, this, this boy in this case, this, this kid. And uh, I think that this was... Uh, uh, key because think about a young player that received a book from uh, his coach and when I, I remember when I was giving the book I always explaining I'm giving you this book for this 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 reason because I think this is for you because you are in this way I think this book can tell you something and if you put for a while for a moment in the in the player's mind that think my coach spent maybe half an hour of his time and he went in a bookshop for me and he bought a book for me not just a random book you know that tells a lot in the in the to the player you know in terms of connection in terms of how my coach care about me uh, how he likes me uh, i i wasn't to be honest i wasn't interested in in knowing if the the player actually read read the book you know 
because uh, it's, I'm not their teacher, but I wanted to create this connection. And also for me, to, to give the book is important because for me, books are important in my life and they knew that. So I think again, that if you can uh, create this kind of bond with uh, with your players, old or young players, uh, then uh, they will uh, they will do something extra. They will uh, they will do more. No, and I think it makes complete sense what you're saying about that treating them like adults to a degree in the conversation you're having. It is preparing them for what's next, which is more adult type conversations. Where if you keep treat, treating them like children and 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 whatnot. Um, then it's going to be more challenging for that. Um, so there's one one last question for me. I'm just conscious of time, which is if I were to ask any of the other coaches you work with, or any of the players you you've coached, to describe you in three words, how do you hope they would describe you? Hmm. Uh, hmm. Good question. Um. Okay, uh, I would say knowledgeable, for sure, because I'm not afraid to say that I know football because I studied, I've been studying football for my whole life and uh, I can uh, keep a conversation about football for hours with the players, so I can say I'm knowledgeable. Um, open. Open for sure, and uh, human. I, I three words, you know, because I think that knowledgeable. I told you why. Uh, open because um, I think that I'm very curious. I'm open to listen. I am open to. To understand, I'm open to new ideas. Open to, um, I remember that um, during a training session with my under 17, the second year uh, at S Roma, uh, we were working on a build up from the back from the goalkeeper, and uh, it was the first year where there was the new rule that the players can go in the in the box. You remember to to get the ball, uh, and at some point. One of my players, my one of my midfielder, number six, decided to walk in the box and take the the ball from the goalkeeper, which was which is something that now I think I see that many teams do. Uh, and then I said, "So what are you doing?" I said he said, "Gaffer, I think that if I go there, nobody will uh, nobody can follow me, so I can take the ball easily, and then I can do and." Rather than tell him, no, you do what I'm asking you to do. I I was open to to this new solution that he decided to to take, and that from that moment on, uh, I decided to to keep do keep going with this because. So for this reason, I say I'm I'm open because I'm very open to to new ideas, new solutions, and uh, open to understand, open to listen, and human because. All my players know that uh, I'm I'm human with all my strength and my weaknesses. I'm not afraid to show my my weaknesses. Uh, sometimes, um, 
if the people in front of you is is not intelligent, they can uh, judge maybe this as a weakness or uh, no, I think weaknesses in terms of uh, flows. I don't know if this is the English word. So like everyone else have, and it's not, it's not just because you are the coach, you're a, you're a, uh, you, you know everything or you, you, you are powerful. Uh, so that, that is, in my opinion, uh, these three words define me. Perfect. Listen, Fabrizio, an amazing conversation about your journey. So um, I'm sure on behalf of everyone listening, really appreciate your time and um, catch up with you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sports Initiative podcast with me, Michael Wright. Please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Sports Initiative podcast and share this podcast with friends and family. I'll see you next week.